0: 27 verses again. The title of my message tonight is the same title I had last week, Sinning Willfully, and this is a second sermon on this subject. But uh, in Hebrews 10 and verse 26 says, for if we sin willfully, now listen to these words. Some people don't take these very very strongly. If If we sin willfully. Now that's that that's all of us. If we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Again, Father, we're thankful for your word. I just pray that you'll give us what we need. Tonight to preach it, give us the strength, give us the, uh, give us be able to uh, still be uh, comfortable in speaking, Lord. I just pray that you'll help us in all things. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, Amen. Thank you. You May be seated. Last week we left off this statement with, with with this statement. Now. As I told you last week, I think this is a very important statement. There's no new thing under the sun, so I'm sure it's been said before, but I'm going to say it as if I'm the only one that said it. A lot of truth is not received into the heart, but into the head. This only becomes common knowledge and not spiritual-led truth. Now that's that's what the Bible is. As I as I look on Facebook and I look at all the people that makes quotes and such and such on Facebook, that a lot of it is just just comes from common knowledge. They know they know what to say, they know when to say it, and they know how to say it. But to to hear that people who who speak the truth in a spiritual sense You don't hear a lot of it anymore, and that's the sense in which we're talking about tonight. And this this part of the scripture here, verses 25 through 31, verse 31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I've had people tell me, just bluntly come out and tell me, God does not chastise his children. But we know he does, and I'm going to divide this up tonight, and hopefully you'll be able to understand what we're referring to tonight. I'm sure you will. I know you'll know what I say, uh, but I hope you you understand all of it. This, the statement I just made, this makes the Bible a book of only common knowledge, which is what a lot... Of versions are, you know, when they start making other versions of the Bible to make them easier understood. Easier understood by what? You know, when you talk about, uh, you know, I hear the NIV, NIV, ESV, and all these versions of the Bible. I've got, uh, I got a book at home. It's got 26 different versions of the Bible in it. And, and what it does is it's, it's a big book and what it does is, is it takes the statements out of those versions of the Bible like the NIV well, of course it don't have the ESV in it because that's a near one but like the NIV and several others and it shows where that it de- deviates from the teachings of the King James and we know And I hope and pray that all of us know that God uses the truth to give us the knowledge and understanding that we need as we worship him. And the text we read to you tonight says, and and all of us are are guilty of this, I'm not I like, like one preacher said he said I may be pointing one finger towards you but three of them are pointing back at me and um, the text states that for if we if no, and all of us know if we have or not for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth and this is just uh, as plain as it can be There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So that means that this sin has got to be paid for, but it's not going to be paid for coming out of heaven like Jesus did. Jesus came and he paid for our sins, paid for every one of our sins. And as a result of it, you know, we can can say that we're saved today and we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, if we, after we're saved, we being saved, if we sin willfully, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. In other words, if there's something that you learn truth and God shows it to you and teaches it to you, and you go and you go against it and you do just the opposite of what it teaches, what it says, that's sinning willfully. Once, once you know the truth, you know, it's not it's not that anybody's tying you down, not that anybody's got a gun on you, and not that anybody's got a knife on you and telling you to do this or that. We do it willfully, even though we know the truth about it. And uh, I used to, years ago, you folks know I've been doing this a long time, years ago used to be people I used to hear people say and I've heard it here that people have said well I'd be scared to death to do that cuz I'd be afraid that God is going to chastise me in some way you don't hear that anymore you don't hear that anymore you don't you, you don't you don't hear you don't hear those things those statements made anymore and people just people have just gotten completely away from it Churches, you know, we talk about uh, um, divine uh, exclusion and chastisement and such. You know, we, we don't we don't follow that anymore. You know, uh, we don't we don't, we don't have we don't have a, a discipline in churches anymore. It doesn't happen, and I and I've talked to a lot of preachers. And a lot of preachers, I've asked them, i said, when was the last time you had to discipline anybody in your church? And they said, it's been years. And, and that's, what we, that's what we've got to in the world today. Now, what this means, this statement I just read to you, verse 26, this simply means that Christ will never die again. That's number one. Christ will never come back and die again for your sins. Christ will never die again. His blood was shed for our sins only once. It will never be shed again. It will never be shed again once we sin. He's not going to come back and shed his blood to cover the sins that we sin after we're saved. I'm just giving you this. There, there is no more redemptive sacrifice for sin. There will never be another Savior born. There will never be another Savior born. There's not going to be anyone to come along. You know, a lot of people said, "Well, I'll just wait till the judgment, and then uh, that'll be all be taken care of." Then, well, the the 26th verse tells us what's going to happen. We're going to get into that in just a minute. That there will never be another Savior born. There is no salvation in any other name than the name of Jesus. There will be no great burden of guilt. I'm sorry, there will be a great burden of guilt upon the conscience of every soul that sins after they have been saved. Now, you can't tell me, if you, if you can't tell me that when you sin that it doesn't bother you, then you've got problems. You really do. And uh, I was talking with Robbie Jeffrey sometime back. and Robbie asked me a question. He said, how many people do you hear anymore that are convicted of their sins? And uh, I say, well, I hear it every now and then, but you don't hear it that often. People don't. People It doesn't bother them. People have just as much fun in sinning as they do doing anything else. Doesn't bother them. When one sins after they are saved, they are willfully denying the truth of the word. What what is in the future for these? The Bible states, and here's verse 27, where we're going to get into verse 27. The Bible states, but a certain fearful Looking for of judgment and fire indignation. That's two things. I'm going to explain these to you. That's two things. Judgment, one place those sins will be brought back up is at the judgment seat of Christ. Every sin that we've ever committed since we've been saved. And that scares me even to say that. Every sin that we've committed ever since we've been saved is going to be brought to our attention. Every sin, every secret sin that we've tried to hide is going to be brought to our attention at the judgment. That's the first, that's the first thing is a judgment. Judgment's going to bring them out. We may, we may not do it here. We may not even admit that that we have sinned here. But judgment's going to bring that out. And then you got fiery indignation, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. Judgment coming. Judgment is coming before Christ at the judgment seat, which immediately follows death. Now that's what I believe about it. I don't know. You know, you may. You may, you may not believe that. I don't know. But I'm not going to argue with you over it. But it comes immediately after death. It's judgment. The Bible says that. The Bible says the point when the man wants to die. And then the thing that comes immediately after that is judgment. Now, that happens. <coughs> it, it, it immediately comes. And he goes on to say, immediately says, it uh, says, Immediately follows death, the judgment of Christ is as certain as anything can be. It's it's going to be as certain as anything can be. You're not going to argue with Christ. You're not going to say as people do today, I didn't do that. I said that a long time ago. What do you do with people when you go to talk to them about maybe their sins or something they've done? I didn't do it. What do you do then? I didn't do that. Who told you that? I've had, who told you that? I didn't do it. When you know they did. When you know that the way you found it out <coughs> was a sure way, <coughs> you know that. What is the future of these? We talked, well, we'd already said that. Now, uh, we are in, coming right after you, let me get back where I was, comes right after you, follows death. The judgment of Christ is certain as any, as anything can be. There will be no escaping it. Saved men will know if they have been taught that this judgment is coming. They'll know it. They'll know what it is. They'll understand it. They'll understand that what, this, what this judgment is because it's going to come immediately after death wicked men wicked men will have no expectation of judgment and will fear it when it comes you're not going to fear judgment if you you should live your life wanting to know that that the judgment wanting to know that you can clear your conscience of 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 the sins that you've committed. Well, that's what judgment's going to do. God's not going to send you to hell. He's, he's, he's going to, Christ's not going to send you to hell. He's going to clear up your conscience and your mind concerning the things that has brought you down, is our own sins have brought you down from the time that, uh, all the time that you've, been living on the earth here and and you know you're saved and you know you've done something that things that you shouldn't have done but the judgment's going to clear all that up now isn't that wonderful that god has a way of clearing all that up he has a way of clearing all that up you know what what's going to be christ is going to tell you that he died for that sin too that he, he not only died for the sin that we committed before we were saved, but he died for the sins after we we're saved. He's going to clear all that up. Now we, we say, well, why can't we do that now? That's because of our conscience. Our conscience is what bothers us when we sin. And our conscience becomes something that, that is with us. Until we die, and and but all that's going to be cleared up. Now that's number one. You you may say, well, Christ has promised he washed all my sins away. No, he he washed them in the sense that he paid for them. He didn't wash all your sins away because if he washed all your sins away, you wouldn't sin no more. He knows. He knows that you're going to sin. After you're saved. And as a result of that, he's got the the judgment seat of Christ was was set up for that one reason. And that's that we can go and have our conscience cleared as far as sin is concerned. Now, I I guarantee you, every one of you, if, if, if you could sit down and start writing them down, you could write down bunches of sin that you've committed. Since you were saved how many times have you lied how, how many how many times have you cursed how many times have you know you know the truth but yet you don't follow it you know you know and there's no way you can clear there's no way you can go back and re, redo that or have that redone Somebody has to step in and clear those up for you. That's what the judgment seat of Christ does. Now, here's the second thing. Fiery indignation. In verse 27, says, Fiery indignation which, which, which shall devour the adversaries. Verse 27. Now, let me say this. This certainly does not mean what the Catholics say it means, which is purgatory. They they believe in they believe they teach purgatory. In other words, if you sin while you're a child of God, then you you Catholics believe that you you go to purgatory and when your family has paid enough for you, then you'll come out of it. Let me say this. Purgatory, according to the Catholics, means a person will not go to heaven until his family has done enough work to get the person out of purgatory. Used to be years, many years ago, I read it in church history that some of the old churches, old Catholic churches, would, when a man died, they'd take his hat and go, The man would go up in the attic, and he would tie, with a piece of thin wire, he would tie their hat up, and it would hang in the, in the attic. And the people would be in the, in the sanctuary worshiping, and they'd hear a hat hit the, hit the top of the ceiling. And somebody would go up in the attic to see whose hat that was. And then they would come back and they would tell the congregation that was old brother so-and-so's hat. Then they start rejoicing. Old brother so-and-so's gone to heaven now because his hat has fallen. It'd be, it'd be, I'll use the word luck. It'd be my luck if they'd tie mine up with a rope or a chain. But no, they use little thin wire, and that wire would, would rust over time, and that hat would fall. And that's how they judged that God has delivered someone from purgatory. The Catholic Church will receive anything of value as a payment. They don't care. if It can be money. It can be land. It can be anything. The story is told, Of a racehorse man over there, out there in Kentucky, in Lexington, Kentucky. I met Shelley maybe, and we remember this. I don't know. I know Emily will. Emily's not in here right now. But when you go from Winchester, Kentucky, to Lexington, Kentucky, there's a racehorse farm just before you get into Lexington, and all's left of it is a is a mansion and a lot. It used to be about a hundred acres worth millions, I mean worth millions. And this old fella that owned it he died and he went to purgatory. And his wife kept taking money and giving it to the Catholic Church. She wound up giving them the whole farm all except the mansion and the lot that the mansion was on. And, and when she gave the Catholic Church that last lot, that last piece of land, they declared that her husband was now out of purgatory. The mansion is still there. It's rotten down. She don't live. She, she passed away. The mansion is there. It's rotting down. The lot is, last time I went by there, the lot was, had weeds up almost as tall as the mansion. But that's what happened to that racehorse farm. So that, that's the Catholic's view of it. It also doesn't mean what the holiness teaches Now, This fiery indignation, we're going to to give you the meaning of it. It also doesn't mean what the holiness teach, that man must appear again at the altar and ask forgiveness all over for his sins, and he will be saved all over again. You don't have to do that. That won't work. That won't work. It doesn't mean what I heard an Armenian Baptist preacher teach, and he taught that there is no more forgiveness. There is no forgiveness for such sin. That you'll just have to live in heaven all that time with that sin. That's not going to be true because you no no nobody in sin is going to go to heaven. Bible teaches Bible so plain on that, but people. You know, sometimes they don't care what they teach. Such sin has already been paid for by the death of Christ. Now that's, that's comforting. Your sins that you've committed since you've been saved have already been paid for by the death of Christ. It's, it's, it's not, it's not your salvation that is suffering. It's your conscience. It's your conscience that is suffering, not your salvation. When the Lord leaves us with a conscience, He left us with a conscience, and He also left us with conviction. You know, your conscience, until until you're satisfied that everything's okay, your conscience is going to bother you. Now, there's two meanings for fire indignation. The first meaning... And I, I'm not going to go into it's It's a long, drawn-out definition of this word indignation in the Greek language. I'm not going to go into it. I'm just going to give you examples. Maybe that will help you. Fiery indignation. There are examples of those who disobeyed the Lord and they received this what is called this fiery indignation. The scriptures give an account of Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. And here's what Leviticus says about that. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer. Now they, they were both priests. Took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense there, thereof and offered strange fire before the Lord. Now they knew that was wrong. Just like, just like you know it's wrong when you sin, you know it's wrong. You know what you're doing is wrong. They knew that was wrong. But they did it anyway before the Lord, which He commanded them not. And there, and there went out fire from, from the Lord. Fire from the Lord. Fire from the Lord. Not, not just a coincidence. Fire from the Lord. There went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord, Leviticus 10, verses 1 and 2. That's, that's, That's the first meaning of this word, indignation. This involves a sudden death of a sinner. Now, so there is a sin unto death. There is a sin that I heard a man sit right in this pulpit and say there's no such thing as a sin unto death. I don't know if you all remember hearing him or not, but he did. And I, I got a hold of him after the services. That is, that is an example of, of, of sin unto death. That's what this word indignation, one of the things this word indignation means. Now, there's a second meaning of this word, fire, indignation. Now, listen to this. Lot chose the green plains, which led to two wicked cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, he chose. Now, get that. He chose that route. Abraham told him, said, I'll give you anywhere you want to go. He looked out across those green plains. And, and those green plains, when he got on them, they led to Solomon Gomorrah, two of the most wicked cities of that day. He fell right in with the wickedness, and what happened? What happened to him? Did he burn up in the fire? No did he even get singed in the fire? No. Did he even feel the heat from the fire? No. Did he even see the fire? No. But he had one who did. And that was his wife. Now, that's the second meaning of the word indignation. It means that God can chastise with death of a loved one, a child, You say, I don't believe that. You better believe it, because it's true. You may be sitting there right now saying, what what are you saying, Brother Paul? It's true. Lot wound up losing his wife to death. This involves a death of another. Now, the first word meaning for indignation meant the death of the person who who sinned a sin. The second meaning of the word indignation means the death of another. You think God cannot make it hard on on, on saints that willfully sins? God can make it hard on you. I tell you, it's it's, it's one of those things, folks. God can take somebody who you think, all I've heard is, well, they died before their time. No, they died when God wanted them to die. No one died before their time. No one dies a second before their time or a second after their time. God has... Purpose that, since the foundation of the world, and it's going to happen. Now, I think about some people says, well, you've lost your mama, your daddy, and your sister. They died of old age. We know, all of us know, that when you get a certain age, you're going to die. Your body starts proving that to you. Your body starts telling you that, well, you know, I'm just getting weaker and weaker. I'm not able to do the things I used to do. Are you, Brother Sam? No. I remember me and Brother Sam dug a, dug a, uh, a line to put a sewer line in, hand dug it. Do you remember that? <clears throat> I like to die. I used to just keep digging. I said, how Brother Sam? Just keep digging. I'm about to die. It, well, you'll say, well, how long? Well, it? it's probably from here almost to halfway up that lot there. I remember Brother Sam saying, well, why did anybody put the septic tank so far away from the house? Yeah. I'm not able to do that anymore. I, I know that my time's coming. I know that my dad died. Somebody asked the doctor said, "Well, what did he have? He said nothing he's old age. My mom died what 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 was wrong with your mother? Nothing. She died of old age. My sister and my dad both had dementia real bad. but they said my sister just wore out that's what the doctor said. I was with her when she died. doctor came in there and and said that Matter of fact, the doctor was was her son-in-law. Doctor came in there and he said she just wore out. If, 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 wore, if wore out is any any anything to think about, then I ain't got long. Because I'm wore out. Sam likes that chair, too, and likes to lay there and eat and sleep. <laughs> Rhonda told me the other day, she said, you'd be better off if you just get up and walk around a little while. I said, no, I'm better off right here. Now, this is my last statement for tonight. You think God cannot make it hard on saints that willfully sins? You think God will not send a pandemic on the Christians to chastise willful sinners? What's wrong with America today? We've got, we, we've had thousands and almost over a million, millions of people that have died of this COVID. Karen and I were talking the other day. It looks like to me, as many people as praying for this, we ought to see some changes. God don't intend on changing. He sent it here for a purpose. It's here for a purpose. It's like I was telling Jessica. Jessica said, I just can't believe this stuff can make you feel so bad. I said, well, let believe me, it will make you feel bad. It is sad. It is very sad, but a lot of this modern generation of Christians don't want to believe this truth. They don't want to believe it. They they don't want to believe it. They don't want to believe that grandma or grandpa or uncle or aunt or brother or sister or child died because of divine chastisement of someone, not necessarily that person, May God have mercy on us, I pray. All right, y'all dismissed.